The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. We're here for another really interesting week of rugby chat thanks to theraw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate and your home of the biggest and best rugby discussion kicking around. It's great to be back for another week and thanks to everyone who got in touch after a big week for the pod last week uh, with the great chat with Greg Clark and that uh, special chat that we had with Moana Pasifika uh, last week as well, which was fantastic. You can do the same and get in touch with us again under the episode page every Wednesday on the Raw or hit us up on the socials or wherever you get your podcasts. Joining me this and every week, still buzzing after our fantastic chat with Aaron Major and co last week, and now entertaining himself building a squad from our selection of guests. It's my ever active co host, Harry Jones. Hello, mate. How are you doing? How's it, Brett? It's well. What did the barista, what did the barista call you today? Was it your Brett? Called me Brett. <sighs> Finally, was very happy for it. Very yeah, happy. Last to week's say it. episode, last week's episode had NUE. Uh, it's a <laughs> word that I use very seldomly, but I brought it out especially for this week's guest, and I'm hoping that uh, she will explain it to us. Yeah, but yes, yeah, so I'm building a team. You and I are building a team together. Mm. We're, we're we're shaping up for the World Cup in 2023, so we're building depth, uh, mm. quickness, speed. Uh, and so right now we have, we're sitting with Sokopi Kipu, the lounge singer, the seated lounge singer at our Lucid Prop. We have Hula Bula Jim and Hooker because he mm. feels safe, uh, mm. surrounded by Kipu. And we have big Shawnee Maloney at tight head prop. I've moved him around because, you know, you have he'd be, to. He'd be, he'd be thrilled we, to learn he's going to the foot, to the front row. The highly analytical Nick Bishop at uh, four, but we're moving him out. He's been benched. For this week's guest, which will be later. Greg Mom sliding in. Then I'm pilfering at seven. We have uh, we have Jeff, (laughs) Jeff, highly misplaced at at flank, and we have Henry Timay Stowers, the blockbuster eight. Yeah, and then we have you're not uh, pilfering at seven. You are not pilfering anything at seven. I'm getting over the ball. I'm stepping through the rock, through the through the front door, and creating havoc and causing many illegalities. Wiley, Paul Cully at nine, Aaron Major at 10, and then we have a very fleet back line. We have Ian Payton, we have Jamie Wall, we have Greg Clark and his younger days. We have, uh, we have uh, uh, Michael Atkinson, and we yep. have you holding down the fort at 15. So I've gone to 15. So, yeah. There's a reason I stopped playing fullback, and that's because I couldn't kick very far. I could pass further than I could kick, hence me going to, 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 to halfback. But anyway. Yeah, but you're seeing those houses back there. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, it has been an absolutely fantastic weekend of Super Rugby Pacific. Um, all six games really enjoyable. The performance of the Australian sides relative to the New Zealanders has created many talking points and headlines on either side of the ditch. to the reaction, try time, drew up, and Vanaya had Bossy. the crowd knew he was already over. This one's going to sit up for Muirhead, who smartly pops it back to Seal, and now it's Valentini towing ahead, here comes Bobby V, Rob Valentini, oh 
He's got it. He wins the that's, that's a try. Yes, sir, play that. It's in the frame, as they say. So some cracking tries on the weekend there. Runaway efforts from the Andrua flyer, Vinaya Hambossi, and Rob Valentini's left foot grubber from his side of halfway, which was ruled the try of the week for around 11. But it is a big welcome to the Royal Rugby Podcast to the wonderful Georgina Robinson, Sydney Morning Herald senior rugby correspondent, hey. regular on the offside on the ABC, among other outlets. Wonderful to have you on the pod, Jeep. It is wonderful to be here. I started out feeling pretty uncomfortable as you were naming that side, wondering if I was a bit out of my depth, if I could belong. And then as the back line got going, I just thought, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's on, it's on the line. and you're properly in the leadership group and everything. You're keeping us on the straight and narrow. Um, we're going to start in the same place that we start every weekend. Um, there's been some great highlights from the, from the Australian sides this week, so we will start where we start every week. What stood out for you on the weekend, Georgina? Oh, the Waratahs being the Crusaders. Yeah. I've been writing about those buggers since 2012, so <laughs> I have uh, ridden some highs and some plunged into some lows with them, 2014 being, you know, the ultimate. It's probably yeah. still a career highlight for me. Uh, and, you know, just to kind, of, to kind of watch them claw their way back this season and then nail the Crusaders yeah. uh, was pretty special. That's, that's what stood out for me. Yeah. Harry? What did, you, what did you see this weekend? What gripped you? Yeah, I mean, how sweet was that? You know, oh, I think, fantastic. Um, the Crusaders were pretty sloppy in possession, I thought. Yeah. I think, you know, the clash of the, the two styles, um, you know, this, the second week, the rise of the Aussies was the big story for me. Um, how close the force made it. I mean, they're very difficult to play sometimes in Perth. They bring you down to some gnarly kind of uncomfortable level. But um, you know, even even so, I think the blues the blues showed something by by by, by sneaking that out. Um, the Chiefs surviving the Reds, so it was a lot of close games. It was actually fun yeah. for the for the neutral. It was more fun to watch, actually. I'm going to uh, argue that everything it's the was closest... decided. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to argue that it was the closest round of Super Rugby probably ever. So I mentioned in my column on Tuesday that I could find. I think it was around five in 2017. There was similarly five losing bonus points, but there was a couple of bigger margins. Whereas going into the Brumbies Hurricanes on Sunday, all five games had been decided by between two and four points. So yeah. in terms of getting the interest back, Georgina, I mean, that was just about bloody ideal, wasn't it? Yeah, look, I'd like to commend you on your statastic. Uh, Thank you. That's, 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 what, that's uh, what I'm here for. That, and that's uh, definitely a you. Greg Clark kind, kind <laughs> of uh, kind of stat. No, it's true. Look, a lot of people picked up on that kind of stat, and uh, mm. you know, it was fantastic. One other thing, um, Fiji playing at home for the first yeah, time—that was, it was so those good. Those crowds are pretty cool. Although, again, um, some pictures of the crowd lighting up at Leichhardt Oval. I mean, the Waratahs crowds have been dire yeah. since about 2016. Yeah. Uh, so. That was really cool to see yeah. that just as they're about to go into the new stadium, actually. It's a really good time. So there's more than 10,000 yeah. at Leichhardt. There was 15,100, I think, in Suva, which is comfortably the biggest yeah. crowd of the season anywhere. Yeah. So how do we balance this between we're back, baby, and I'm wearing you know, a Wallabies jersey for very good reason <laughs> and keeping the lid on it? How do we, how do, we do it? Where well, are we up to? Well, at least two of us here are Australian, so uh, we don't do much balancing at all. We just, no, you know, we're, we're just back. ride the highs and the lows. I think <laughs> we're back. 
Harry, well, how do we, my, how do, we do I it? I say my NUE about this, my uh, <laughs> is Harry, I think it's on you. On you. Oh, that sounds even better. For for but our I, for uh, our listeners, for our listeners' benefit here, uh, Georgina used this wonderful word recently, and Harry has latched onto it and has used it five times in the last ten minutes, two of which have been on air here. So, I mean, you've really latched onto this, mate. I'm going to use it everywhere, and then at some point it will fit. Oh, you know, good. <laughs> that moment, it will be apt. Finally, finally. <laughs> no, I, t- for me, there was individual performances to watch. So, I, to me, I yep. think the Kiwis are still doing a little bit of mix and match. I mean, we're not allowed to say they're missing players. We can only say that when the Aussies are, but the Kiwis are missing some big players. <laughs> but I mean, like Dalton Papali, 29 out of 30 tackles. I mean, he's yeah. really pushing for selection. Uh, I think you can also. I think there's a few others like Luke Jacobson. I thought was showed a lot of leadership in yeah. uh, that survival of the Reds yeah. and missing. I mean, they, they really are missing like four or five top, top players. Um, Quinn, uh, Tupaya as well made a claim. Yeah. I think there's there's people that stand out and there's other people that maybe are a little bit slipping like Sam Whitelock. He's yeah. going down, you know, Alan Wynn Jones Lane. And, and he was a paper bag in contact. I mean, just folded up. So I do think there's some, there's some intrigue on yeah. the other side of the ditch, on on who's doing well on these on these tours. Well, and so the, the New Zealand reaction, I think, has been telling this week. We've had Scott Robinson, Georgina, promising reviews of everything from, you know, kickoff plays to the lunch orders at Crusaders headquarters during the week. We've had commentators backtracking on predictions of domination. The online commentary in New Zealand this week has been fantastic. Um, I've, seen, I've seen comments ranging from this has been the single worst weekend of Super Rugby ever to the Wallabies will win the World Cup. I guarantee it. So that's that's how what sort of impact this weekend has had. I um I think uh, for me what's really interesting is that uh, they'd come off super round, right? So look, it's been a very funny season for mm. the Kiwis. Um, you know, with COVID, the Queenstown bubble, they had all these storm weeks. Uh so pretty disrupted, but um, but also Scott Robertson was just like loving life in in Melbourne. You know, he yeah. he was cracking jokes. I mean, it's Scott yeah. Robertson, right? He's always pretty. He's always pretty upbeat and laid back. And but he was he he was in the press conference uh, after the Crusaders Rebels games game, cracking jokes about uh, the um, you know the artificial surf joint he'd been to, and uh, he was like parodying Australian accents, and you know he'd been at the what he'd been at the Storm Captain's Run, and, yeah, um, yeah, uh, you know just just so just I so I'm oh, this, is, this is gonna go down really well everywhere. Uh, I, I wonder if there might have been a bit of complacency in the Kiwis yeah. when they came over, yeah. Yeah, you have to. You do have to wonder. Like, and resting players, you know, doesn't reek of arrogance. Or all all good teams will rest players so that they can build depth. And so, if they get an injury crisis, like you know the Chiefs have had with whatever it is, nine or ten players out, or then the Hurricanes as well. So they have got guys that they can rely on. And the Crusaders, Crusaders have been wonders of that. But it felt like like watching them play on on Saturday evening that that they really thought they could just roll into Sydney and just smack the, nah. the Waratahs and they'd get it ah, done. Did sure. you not see it that way, for sure. Harry? For yeah. sure. The Crusaders did not take the Waratahs seriously. Yeah. First of all, they're playing at an oval, the Leichhardt Oval. Yeah. The, um, 
the names of the World Tots players, that it's hard to take them seriously. They got the Peach, they've got Harry's Johnson, you got Raboner, you got Tane, the redhead uh, 10. I mean, no one takes a ginger 10 seriously. And the guy's the best ginger 10 in the world. You've got the bell end. You've got the, you yeah. know, I don't know, Marky yeah. Mark, who, who are we going to get? I mean, I don't know how to say his name, but th these guys that roll on the pitch and I think the Crusaders just thought we're going to, we're just going to roll over them. We're going to stomp yeah. on them. Yeah. And then came, then came Georgina, the De Nomont, where they were, they were in a dogfight and they realized we're not getting out of this thing easy. No. What I loved about the Waratahs is that's the moment in a year ago or even three years ago, they would have folded again. Yeah. And this time they just hung in there. It was beautiful. I was actually yeah. very moved by that. And the crowd was fantastic. I don't know what, what that effect on the ground was, but it was really a nice occasion compared to yeah, some of the other Leichhardt, games I've been seeing. When, when Leichhardt gets going, it's, it's, uh, it can actually really get going because it's got the hill you see. So, yeah. you know, it gets yeah. a bit rowdy. Yes. They get into it. The, the, you know, like yeah. you never know if the seating's about to give way under you um, <laughs> on the grandstand. So yeah. there's a bit of edge, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you're sitting there. It's great. There's a bit of extreme sport to it, isn't there? Go and watch the yeah. footy at Leichhardt. <laughs> but it's proper. It's, you know, can bar on the hill and everything. It's 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 good. Yeah. But you've you're got right. to time like, your run to the bathroom really, like, really specifically. It's like Brookvale. You might have to spend a whole half in a queue for a beer yeah. uh, or the bathroom. So, you know, everyone's yeah. on edge. The and you don't want to be going to the bathrooms too late either. No, exactly. No. So 17-0 at half time, and the Waratahs led and they were doing it comfortable. So, yeah, the resurgence was just really something else. I thought the, the Rebels played some really good rugby in putting Moana Pacifica away on Saturday night. And then the Brumbies, there was a, there was a moment there when the, the Hurricanes scored just after halftime. And, and they actually even took the lead back when, um, uh, when Rousey scored that fairly soft try after halftime. And I thought, all right, well, this will be interesting. Because the Brumbies have, and we, I've mentioned it a few times, they've got this little period in the middle side of halftime where they can't stop making mistakes. Like, well, this will be the test. And then they go to their set piece, Lachlan Lonigan scores, and then they rolled on 19 unanswered points and they they put them away properly. It was maybe the Brumbies' best performance at home this year. They were really, really good. You had kind of a bomb squad there, the two, yeah, right? They did. You had Falal Fainga and James Slipper Don't coming Slipper, up the bench. Yeah. 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 I was just going to say, I think they needed it. You know, yeah. they've, um, I think they need that performance. And they, maybe, you know, maybe they need, um, maybe they need, you know, the Kiwi teams to, to get that out of them. Uh, but, um, you know, they've just, I think it's a really, it's really interesting for Dan McKellar because he has, they've been the best team, you know, in Australia, the most consistent team. Yeah. And they haven't won anything. So, you know, I think this is their season. It's their yeah. Time to really show that they are that they can actually take it all the way. Yeah, yeah, and the last chance with with Dan McKellar uh, at the helm, last and chance. you know, <laughs> then this whole, this whole Dan McKellar Brad Thorne thing, which is which you've played no role in at all, have you? Shoot no. the messenger, Brett. Go yeah, on. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. Um, it was look, it was a fantastic weekend for Aussie rugby all round. The women's sevens claimed the Langford uh, sevens leg of uh, in Canada, which wraps up the 2022 World Series with one round of play. Um, so, just a great weekend. Obviously, they're only now as good as the next game. So the reaction from the Kiwis this weekend is going to be really interesting. How do you see Georgina them? 
what sort of reaction are you expecting? Well, I don't think Razor will visit another NRL team this season. <laughs> no, probably I think not. He might, I think he might just uh, stick to his own team room. I mean, he, he kind of said he, you know, he was at the Roosters up in Sydney uh, so when, he, when they got up here after Super Round and spending all that time with the Storm. So, uh, yeah, I think it'll be really interesting. I think, I mean, every time this happens, the Kiwis respond uh, and um, they're, they're good at doing that. So that'll be, that'll be really interesting. Harry, you always you always worry about the wounded Kiwi, don't you? Yeah, the backlash. It's a it's a known phenomenon. But uh, I mean, you know, they still won. Didn't they win the majority of the games anyway? But I mean uh, they three three. They, details, details. Yeah, so I mean three three. But I, I think yes, they're gonna come in spiteful and mean. And uh, and I would and I would and I would assume the coaches like this kind of thing. You know, it's a big wake up mm. to go in there, kick some chairs and um but Georgina, what this premise that it, that the next Wallaby coach has to be Australian is that something we can count on? Is that like when does that come from? Like it's something that came on from from high, and now we're all assuming it's Mikel or Thorne. What do your sources say? What do your deep sources say? Oh, my deep sources. Uh, it comes from well, it comes from a bit of history. So uh, we've only had two non-Australian uh, Wallabies coaches in. Uh, you know, as far as as far back as I can remember, Robbie Deans, yep. and his appointment was hugely controversial, and it remained controversial throughout his time at the Wallabies. And uh, then, you know, Ewan McKenzie came in, and then Michael Checker, and then I think by then it took a long time, but I think by then Australian rugby fans finally caught up to the fact that. Uh, Wallabies performances were deteriorating for factors other than the coach because yeah. of factors other than the coach alone. Yeah. And that maybe, you know, that's when we all started to go, well, Robbie Deans actually um, looked like he did pretty well with what he had. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but at, you know, it, at the time, he was he was it was his keenness that was hugely controversial. Yeah. I mean, at his style yeah. of play, but. Um, but there still remained, there still remained, when, when they appointed Dave Rennie, they said, okay, we're going to get the best man, but they still thought it was important and it is important for coaches, for Australia to breed its own coaches that are yeah. capable of coaching the Wallabies. That's important and Australia's dropped the ball. Yeah. Rugby Australia has dropped the ball on coach development. For a long time, you know, which means that, and that's, and this is the fruit. Dave Rennie, a great coach, but a Kiwi, is our best option mm. uh, at this time. Eddie Jones is coaching England and was unavailable. Um, so uh, they politically to soften the blow of another Kiwi coach. I think, I think they actually were a bit overcautious. You know, I think, you know, if we want to talk optics, I don't think Australian Australian rugby fans just wanted wanted the best coach by yeah. the time. Yeah. Not the Mike Checky. <laughs> Right. Yeah. No one really gave a crap where he was from, um, but they still and and actually it was Dave Rennie who kept saying, uh, you know, at a number of opportunities that he was there to produce an Australian coach or to yeah. bring through, you know, an Australian coach. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where it came from. Does it have to be an Australian coach? No, but I but I think um, we, you know, in a couple of years, whether that's two years or four years or five years. Um, the coaches we have now 
will be good enough to have a crack mm. at all of these. So well, first, it's, firstly, uh, I, I think Dave Rennie is going to win a semi-final uh, and I think he's going to keep the job. Second, I think Dave Rennie is more Australian than Eddie Jones is now because Eddie Jones <laughs> is just Eddie Jones. He's like in a country of his own, yeah. a world of his own. And then how about the sledge by, this week by Dave Rennie uh, against the Kiwis? <laughs> Did you yeah. see that? Oh, yeah. I retweeted that. I retweeted that. <laughs> but it was something along well, the lines the of the average, the average Kiwi male doesn't have anything to do. There isn't for much rugby. to do there for the average Kiwi male. <laughs> I know. Oh, good luck. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, um, I think Dave is a, uh, Kiwi through and through, Harry, mm. I beg to differ there. I think Eddie is Aussie. Well, I'm just saying Eddie's not very Australian anymore. He is so. He is so. And I think I think he needs to come home. Um, I don't think, I don't necessarily think as Wallabies coach, but I think um, Australian rugby and Eddie Jones have unfinished business. And um, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> it, like, I, you know, I, if, if, we, if, if the business is serious about being world-class, you have to you have to have you have to bring home the best Australian coach. Yeah. We could do a lot worse than bring him back to be a you know master coach, coach the coaches type type guy. Yeah. Like the thing is, I mean, I feel like Eddie is a head coach until he drops dead. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's not really a so does Eddie probably. So and so does Eddie, maybe. Yeah. So it's a bit it's a bit tricky, but I just feel like, you know, um, that's a whole lot of IP and wisdom and mm. um, fire mm. to to kind of keep um, offshore. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, it was a, a fantastic weekend for Aussie rugby. There's no concerns about that. There's no questions about that. There's no doubts about that. Um, and long may it continue very specifically this weekend. Rugby on the Raw. Georgina, we had a little bit of local news um, this week in that the rugby championship and the Bledisloe Cup schedule was sorted. And the big surprise there was that there'll be a Bledisloe Cup game played on a Thursday night in Melbourne at the Docklands Stadium or Marvel Stadium is it now. But that the and the biggest surprise of all was that the Adelaide Oval is going to host a double header between the Wallabies and the Springboks, as well as the Wallaroos uh, and the South African women. Um, did Obviously, there's state government money involved in both of those. Did but did anyone see this particular double announcement coming this week? Um, yes, I think it has been. I think it's been. Um, there's been murmurs and whispers for a little while. I think. Um, I think it's very interesting from a Queensland mm. government perspective. Um, I know that there, you know, Gus. So governments have uh, or sports have content agreements with um with state governments mm. and that i mean that's the source of the nrl peter volandi's uh stoush about what they do with homebush bay or a yep. core stadium, stadium. And, yep. and all of the suburban grounds right because yep. there was an agreement there's been about three agreements and, and three conversions of it so queensland had one with um rugby australia and that's that's over now and all of a sudden um the current state government doesn't seem to be as enthusiastic about uh, getting Wallabies games there. So 
Um, that's really interesting. It's really interesting mm. for rugby fans. It's really interesting for, because rugby's big in Brisbane. Yeah, you know, and the Wallabies the had a thing. really good record in Brisbane. They have a, it's their spiritual home. Suncorp yeah. is their spiritual home. Uh, so it's kind of bad for the Wallabies. It's bad for rugby fans in Brisbane. It's bad for Rugby Australia because its second biggest heartland is, is Queensland. So, mm. um, yeah, but look, um, we, I, you know, I've been writing about this. There, there's just... The tides turned a little bit, you know, it used to be sports um, going to stadiums, but now every state in Australia, obviously that's an exaggeration, um, Darwin hasn't built an 85,000 capacity fortress and North Give Tasmania. It, time. it might be marginal <laughs> enough. A bit of time, a bit of time. Um, but they've all built, they've all built huge stadiums, invested huge, like mm. millions and millions and millions of dollars, and they now have to fill that. Yeah. So they're looking everywhere for concerts, for every kind of code, mm. sport. Um, and, you know, rugby rugby um, is, well, the sports are kind of, um, it's a seller's market, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Market. Harry, were you surprised and or relieved to, to see that the box wouldn't have to be playing the Wallabies in Brisbane? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm coming to the box test this year, and so I need your help, both of you. What, oh. what is Adelaide? Oh, gee, what, we're going to have to. What's we're going to have, have, gonna have to have a long and, weekend in Adelaide, and we're going to have to go up to the Brossa, and I'm going to have to show you all the good wine. And oh, all right, <laughs> if I have to. Its nickname is Radelaide. Harry. It is Radelaide. For what? <laughs> That's a good question. It's got the Adelaide fringe. It's yeah. actually got a pretty. It's got, it's got a bit of edge now, but it's yeah. it's a city of churches. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it's about all I know. Yeah, um, hipster, my, one, of my, one of my very few okay. factoids about South Australia was that it was the only non-convict uh, colony when oh, Australia was settled. That's yeah. That's produced one of our prime ministers, Julia yeah. Gillard. May have produced more. She's the only one that comes to mind. <laughs> Interesting Australian produced, accent. Produced our first woman. Yeah, there is. There's a little bit of a yeah, Adelaide's South got Australian its own accent. dialect. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. What What is well, interesting? I mean, yeah, it's, it's tough to play in Suncorp. So anything where we don't play in Suncorp is actually good for us. Mm. So. Happy days, he says. Well, you, you'll you'll end up finding someone in Adelaide. You know, I, I know you will. It'll, it's just the way it works. What is interesting out of scheduling this year as well, going forward a little bit, is that both the Wallabies. And All Blacks have agreed to go, or Australia and New Zealand have agreed to go back to a two-test Bledisloe series. But both are now, looks like they're going to play an extra game on tour in, in, in November. And they'll play a five, like a five-game tour. So it's sort of like they're going, all right, well, we can do what we need to do at home. Or we can maybe just not play an extra game here and cash in up north. And it feels like we're seeing a bit more of that, that these November series are growing out to, you know, they were two weeks, sometimes three weeks, and now they're becoming five. And, you know, what's what's next? Are we, are we going to have full-blown rugby tours again? There's a novel thought. Four months on the road. Um, <laughs> just go by boat just for old times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, um, I've covered one of, I did the 2012-2013 spring tours. I think it was the 2013 that was a five-tester. John O'Neill was fond of the moneymaker yep. um, in his day. But, uh, yes, it's certainly, we, we've certainly been settled a bit more on three, maybe stretching to four. Mm-hmm. I definitely think you're uh, and. 10A are 
up at the right time. There's something else going on with, you know, there's a, I think you'll start to see a bit of a strategic play mm. by the Southern Hemisphere nations um, going north and also I think potentially starting to ask for more when they go north, if and, they are to go north. And so is this going to be the way that we sort of get into a global calendar almost through the side door? Uh, well, definitely both of them are going on. I, I don't think you'll have, you can't have five test tours. I think like, I mean, some of the, some of the, um, you know, um, back of, back of a napkin kind of, um, Mm. mud maps to that, uh, uh, what's it called? The North V South or the, you know, Nations Championship, whatever it is, is, um, is like three tests and then a, a final. So that's yeah. four. But I just think, I think it is, I think Australia and New Zealand are strategically pretty worried about the way, about where South Africa go. Yeah. And I think they are, they are uh, wanting to look at how they can, the value they bring to those Northern tours or those Northern venues, you know, selling out Twickenham or certainly yeah. packing yeah. it. Um, selling out a Murrayfield or a Cardiff, um, I think they I think they want a better payoff. Yeah, for that. yeah. Is it a valid concern, Harry? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very difficult to know. Georgina has obviously much better sources than I do, but um, to me, Australia is on the up in general, and I think they're also looking around and saying, "So why they're 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 asking themselves why do we do X Y Z? So yeah. why do we play?" So yeah. many times against All Blacks, disproportionately, it actually, in some ways, stymies and uh, and and stifles um, Australia's uh, forward path. And I think mm. that Australia is looking at this like you know they're very clever. I think they're playing the Springboks every time at home now for three years and years. I think uh, the Northern uh, Gambit, if we could call it that, is very smart. Um, yeah, I think maybe they're realizing to be tied to the hip to New Zealand forever and ever. Is, is not a is not a good it's not a smart play. Yeah. So, but then the interesting element of the interesting element of that is that both Australia and New Zealand both recognise that a strategic pathway with Japan is particularly yeah. from a from a from a you know club professional scene is is going to be worthwhile, and the payoff for that is going to be Japan playing in the rugby championship. So, we're kind of running out of calendar, Georgia and Hero. It's like it's going to be really interesting to see how that try how that all fits together. Yeah, look, I think, I mean, I think the elephant in the room is what happens if if or when the Springboks uh, go north. Go, go to the Six Nations, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, I know that there are public statements that the Six Nations don't want them. They looked at it at the end of last year. The board said no. Yeah. But I think the private equity partners. I was going to say, what does CBC want? I, I think they might see some value in that. So, uh and where does, I mean, you know, Australia and New Zealand doesn't matter about, you know, the, the All Blacks um, performance is, is certainly um, speaks for itself, but the North has all the power. Yeah. It has all the power. It has all the money. And along mm. with South Africa, that's all of the money. I mean, that's 80% of the broadcast revenue or 90% mm. of global broadcast revenue um, pro- probably. So it's a really huge strategic problem for Australia and New Zealand. And I think they are just looking at ways they can be recognised financially for the value yeah. they add to yeah. the North. 
Yeah, and so and so agreeing to play an extra game in 2022 probably won't hurt things in well, 2024 when push comes to shove. It's it's a million plus, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's also money, right? It's cash in the bank. So yeah, yeah. So we're we're, we're quite looking to see a decision on Rugby World Cup. 2023 uh, 2027 i beg your pardon that's probably going to come uh, middle of next week around the 12th or 13th overnight australian time i'm wondering though just before we get on this last area what are you hearing about some of the law trials that are being played in super rugby pacific currently and i suppose the 20 minute red card is probably the the, the big ticket item there uh paul cully mentioned to us a couple of weeks ago that he thinks it's 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 in a bit of trouble are you hearing similarly along those lines yeah, look, I had um, when Super Rugby started, uh, and we'd had a few, and then there was a, there there were a few um, there were a couple of red cards, I think, in the Six Nations. Yeah, uh, and there was a bit of an outcry up there. I sort of asked the question. It's it's funny. It's hard to get hold of uh, World Rugby sometimes, particularly if you're in the <laughs> Southern Hemisphere. Mm. Um, and and that just that just speaks to the fact the you know the epicenter of the rugby world is very much in the UK. Uh, yeah. But they said no. They said that uh, we looked at it and um, it will not be. It will not be happening. Yeah. Uh, and and then, but but then after that, you know, and then and then Cully wrote a couple of things about because we had so many of them. He said we're not. You know, that's not doing anyone any favors. No. I don't no. know about that, but um, but then I saw you know when um the World Rugby CEO Alan Gilpin came to Sydney and not long after that there was some there was a story I think in the London Telegraph or something about uh, that being looked at again and that maybe it it would actually be trialled but the point of um, certainly what I was told by a World Rugby spokesperson uh, earlier this year is that Anything that might that you know would be in play for the World Cup in 2023 yeah. had to has to be in trial now. So we're yeah. certainly not going to see it no. at the Rugby World Cup. No. And then I think the interesting question is, what strategic um, value is is having all of our players in Australia play playing for a different set of rules? Yeah. yeah, 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 particularly yeah. that one. Yeah. So there's been 16 red cards this year. Uh, 15 of them are effectively for, for foul play. The first one was Reese Hodges' second yellow back in round two or whatever it is. But they've all come since the weekend of round six. So they've basically all come in the last six weeks. And I think what might actually be the icing on the cake for the 20-minute red card is Ray Nuu from the Rebels having his three-week three suspension shortened by a week for doing the high-contact education process. And then in the game, he comes back gets a red card for a high tackle. And now at the time that we're recording this, the, uh, the Sanzar judiciary haven't come back with a verdict on any of the red cards from the weekend, but I can't see how he escapes with anything other than a lengthy, lengthy suspension. And he, and he has to, because that process has just been completely gamed. And clearly this is an example of a player absolutely not getting the example that's, that's trying to be set. So I don't know how this plays out, but yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be curious to see how it does. And I don't know. Um, I mean, a red card, a twenty minute red card's catastrophic, though, isn't it? Like, I know it's not a, it's not an eighty minute red card, but it's pretty it's pretty bad. It's pretty um, it's pretty bad. It's it's pretty bad in the fifty fifth minute or the sixtieth minute, but it's 
you can live with it in the 15th or the 25th. And I think that's where, where the issue is, is, has, has, has come this year. Can you live with it yeah, in, a, in a championship match? I don't know. I don't think you can live can with it. Can you, can you live with it in a World Cup semi-final? That's, that's, the, that's the unknown question, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. I mean, there, there, are, there are so many factors that make you lose a match. And everyone who's done the study, has, it's, there's an actual numerical value to it. And it, the red card kind of costs you about half a point every mm. five minutes or something. So, yeah, if it's an all-match red card, for sure, you're completely handicapped. But if it's 20 minutes, um, you could even have tactical. I'm, I'm not saying people will do this, but there could be a tactical use of foul play. Yeah, because you yeah. can take out the best player. Yeah. You can take out the goal kicker. For yeah. you know, look at Christian Leofano was knocked out by that that tackle. So sure, he got a red card, but then who took the kick to touch? Someone who missed. Yeah, it Lincoln McClutchy, and, and he missed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah. It, it'd be it'd be interesting for, to have someone take the time and see how often player teams that are down a player suddenly start kicking for goal, the kick for penalty. And some, and some teams do it much better than others. Yeah, yeah, some, yeah. Some, yeah. some teams play with one player down, no problem, and other teams yeah. just fold. So Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. It's been fascinating to talk to you, Georgina. I look forward to more discussions along these happy lines. I look forward to the fine balancing act between we're back, baby, and keeping the lid on things because whatever we're doing that, well, Australian rugby is in a pretty good place, isn't it? We're back, baby. <laughs> uh, great to have you on thanks very much great great thanks, chat Loved it. come back no problems. thanks Harry the roar uh, great to have Georgina on Harry um, so yeah insightful always enjoy catching up with her um, and there is some interesting stuff going on uh, on, a, on an international front isn't there yeah I'm glad, also I'm glad to have her on our team we had a very analytical tight head lock Nick Bishop but yeah. now Georgina comes in as even more analytical and uses yeah, even but there's a bit of free spirit. academic words. Yeah, there's a bit of yeah, free spirit there too. I think she's got a good wingspan. I think this yeah. is a scouting report. So that's what you need in the lock. You know, yeah. line out ball, just 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Super Rugby Pacific round 12 this weekend. We'll see the Blues hosting the Rebels at Eden Park on Friday night. The Reds and the Highlanders in Brisbane. On Saturday, Moana Pacifica will play the Waratahs in Auckland. The Chiefs and the Brumbies in Hamilton, the Tron. That could be anything, that game. That's second against fourth. Uh, the Force and the Crusaders is uh, Saturday night. And then on, on Sunday uh, in the Cape Ten, it's the Hurricanes and the Fijian in Drua. Um, I mentioned the judiciary just before. Uh, again, at, at the time of recording, there's been, there's been no updates uh, from those three red cards in the weekend. I suspect they're all going to be early pleas, but I'll stand corrected and edit this out as I need to. Taniela Tupo will miss the rest of Super Rugby Pacific with that calf injury he went off with on Saturday night. Uh, and you would think that has to have him in a little bit of doubt for the England series. Sam Kane may or may not play the Brumbies in Hamilton uh, for the Chiefs this weekend. He and his wife Harriet are still waiting number one, uh, their first child. Brad Weber and Brody Retallick and a few others, though, are edging close to a return and the Chiefs will be welcoming them back whenever they can get back. England have claimed a fourth straight women's Six Nations title. Uh, they beat France 24-12 to secure a Grand Slam. Um, and I did manage to catch, mate, uh, the Stormers and Leinster uh, over the weekend. I didn't see it live, but I, but I watched a, a decent enough re replay. And I've got to say, didn't quite live up to my expectations that game. What did you, how did you see URC on the weekend? 
Yeah, it was a strange one. I mean, the UF, the URC has now turned into a nice uh, playoff um, battle. So I yeah. think everything still matters. Every match still yeah. matters next week. But 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 Le- Leicester, Leicester came getting the losing younger... bonus point secured yeah. secures top spot, doesn't it, with one round to play? I think, well, they're definitely in the playoffs and they're definitely number one in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. so I think that's true. And everyone now is fighting over the second um, home spot. Um, yeah, Stormers were wasteful. I think they were over the line four times, disallowed yep. uh, for, you know, just, I think, being too too happy, too crazy. And yeah. trying to trying to score with a somersault, you know, instead of just putting the ball down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Slide in, get down on the ground and slide in. Um, yeah, so I think I think it's it, but I think you know you have sharks looking really good too. So you have three yep. South African teams that look like they have a shot, and then you have Leinster sharks and Storms sucked. are both top four, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and, and Leinster, the powerhouse, just rolls on. They take, they send a they basically send a youth team to the Republic, didn't they? And they come away with two so, bonus points, which they would have bitten your bloody arm off to take before the tour started. Yeah, so well coached. They're really a well coached side. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's going to be great the way it wraps up. I mean, and Super Rugby, I just, my tipping really is, I don't know, I have no idea anymore. I mean, <laughs> if you want to have a good league, you want to have uncertainty, right? And that's, and, that's yeah, the, so be- that's the beauty of what last weekend did. It is now, our tipping confidence is now shot and that will be reflected uh, in Super Rugby tipping on the Raw on Thursday. So do check that out. Um, but that is a wrap on episode 14 of the Raw Rugby podcast. Don't forget, Harry and I are both on the socials. Uh, and don't forget to drop us a line on the Raw when the new episode page lands. Uh, the pod's on all the major platforms. So like, follow, subscribe, do whatever you need to do to ensure the new app drops into your notifications as soon as it goes live and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. It's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay and Harry Jones, every week on the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate and the home of all your favourite rugby analysis and opinions. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your ears next week. Come play with us.